Welcome back to another episode of Above Board with Candor Path with John, Matt, and Rich. We're super excited to be here today. We're going to talk about three things. Money, 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 money. Wait, that was money. That was money, four, money, John. Money. I mean, Dang, man. Rich. Which is why Sorry. John and Matt will answer all the questions that have anything to do with numbers because clearly I'm at a deficit. How are you guys doing today? I'm tripped up right off the get because I don't know if you noticed, but like across the bottom, this is a little bit of our tech stuff, but it looks like wonky. So I'm hoping the audio comes through clean. Oh, oh I'm I'm like distracted already. Matt, you already start this over? No, wow. no, no, no. We flow. We don't hit we reset. Go. Never. Look, I called Rich John, so I think we're all a little like off our game here. That's okay. I wouldn't mind it's being above 20 board. Years. It's above board. Radical candor. This is us being us. It is Radical us being candor. us. So what we want to spend our our time with all of you today, and thank you, by the way, for listening, and thank you for your downloads, thank you for your attention, thank you for all your great comments. So we basically gathered a bunch of questions uh, from some of our listeners, from some of my social media folks, and from a couple of the folks that John and Matt work with, and just ask them, what are some things that you think people, just the the average human being walking around town, would want to know about money, investing. Obviously, we're not we're not here to give you specific investment advice or anything along those lines, but just kind of the general kind of information. This would almost be maybe even a podcast that you'd want your college student or your kids to listen to, but you're sitting there listening to it as well, pretending like you know exactly what's going on, but it's for you also. So I'm going to take the lead with that. Does that sound like a good plan? Are you guys ready for some Q&A? I think it's great. We uh, I'd like to give a shout out to our friend Krista who follows the show often and this was actually one of her ideas. So we I pulled a few people and one of her ideas was to do a like a Q&A type episode mm-hmm. where we can create some actionable advice around I probably shouldn't use the word advice, but we can Not create advice. some actionable uh, things knowledge, around knowledge you know, dropping. Knowledge. We are going to be there dropping knowledge bombs, like we are B fifty twos of knowledge. That's what we're all about right now. So I'm going to jump in with something that is just a little bit silly and goofy, but I have to. I just it's love when you're silly and goofy. I've, I've ever yeah exactly. I don't think I've ever asked you guys this question, but it's okay. I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I do watch TV, there's usually a commercial. It's almost the same commercial, but it's usually different people. And they're like, you know, it's like some guy playing golf. Okay, he's playing golf. You know, times are strange these days, so I invest in gold. And I always laugh at these commercials. And then the other day I was thinking about that commercial. And then I wondered, like, do people, when they say, quote, invest in gold, do they actually have gold? Like, it do they have gold bars or gold coins in their house or is it kept Sometimes. in some like lockdown in Arizona? What is that? What is that? And do people do that? Is that a real thing? Rich, I first have a question back to you is, are you watching daytime television? And was this commercial before or after a Medicare Advantage commercial and or either a payday loan slash if you have a settlement? Um, so I'm wondering what time of the day you're watching TV and and your level of productivity throughout the day. I work all, all day. I work all day long. <laughs> and sometimes you just have daytime television on. Okay, I got That's it. Right. Between reruns of My Green Acres, is that what the show was? Uh, I have no idea. Green, Green Acres? Green Acres. You know, Green they go up on the telephone. Okay, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think there's really two answers to your question. And I think, yes, uh, people owning gold. But I think at the end of the day, an investment 
let's talk, let's, let's back up for a second. Let's talk about what the definition of an investment is. The definition of investment is to buy something that you hope has appreciation of value. And I think where gold comes in and silver and maybe any other hard metal comes in is someone says, well, but I can tangibly touch this. Whereas maybe a stock in an investment account, you can't physically touch it. I guess you could have a certificate. I know John has the Atlanta Braves one somewhere, or at least coming its way to the house. Um, but you can you can physically touch gold and silver and some of those things. And so it gives people maybe some peace of mind that, hey, no matter what happens, this this can't move down. And there's always going to be a value assigned to it. And we get this question a lot within our practice. And I think there's no problem with owning um, owning precious metals. And I think there's really two ways that they can be owned. The first is what you just mentioned in your question, which is physically owning gold. And that, and that might be literally having a safe and storing gold or silver or, or something like that inside of it. Now, what's the downside to that? Um, the house burns to the ground and all of that precious metal melts. And now you have just a glob of precious metal. Lep- you also lepre- have st- leprechauns, they steal gold. Uh, leprechauns could definitely, we could have a, a whole um, influx of leprechauns coming in and <laughs> looking for. Um, but really the, the, the theme behind that is that they still have to have a place to store it. So there's still some risk involved with what happens if someone can't get into that safe or what happens again, if there's an issue. So physical storage of it is, is the number one issue with, with, having a precious metal. Now you can also buy the certificate form. So you can buy an investment. Um, and there are various investments out there that track the price of gold up and down. Um, and so there's a, there's a ticker symbol you can go out and look up. And that is the uh, ticker symbol for gold. And it follows the price of gold. I think it's really important to know that everyone thinks these precious metals just sit and appreciate over time, but they move their price moves just like any other investment through supply demand. Okay. Where we are in our economic cycle, um, you can overlay the price of gold on top of stocks or an index, and you can see how it performs relative to another indices. Okay. Um, and you'll see that it moves just like any other investment does for the most part. Uh, so to think that you are immune from price volatility by either owning physical gold or, or owning uh, an index of it uh, is, is not a fair statement. Uh, and so for us, if someone really wants a precious metal, then there is a, again, there's two ways to own it. And we would talk through that client. What are the goals? What right. is their rationale behind it? And if all of that makes sense, explain the two ways that can it, be, it can be purchased again in paper format or mm-hmm. in physical format, and then talk about pros and cons for each one of those. So question now, was number else that I missed there. Oh, go ahead. Rich. Approved. Sorry, Approved. Good question job. number two then. So if I own the paper version or if I own the actual gold coin and I buy it for X dollars, is there a place that you like? So somebody does that. So you could sell stocks. I know that. So stock goes up through the roof. It's worth ten gajillion. It's worth ten gajillion dollars now. You sell it. So if you buy gold at you know one dollar, now gold is up to three dollars. Is there somebody that buys that coin from you or buys that paper from you? Because that's what I I know a friend asked me one time. They're like, I bought gold. I just don't know what to do <laughs> do with it if it goes up in value. I'm sure right after that commercial you watched, Rich, <laughs> is that there was a company that says, we buy your gold. Um, no, and this was big. Like, uh, when was this? 2000? I was going to say, do you remember that fad? When yeah, it was like seven, 2007, there was maybe malls. Eight. There was like mall stores where you could drop off your gold and 10, sell it. 11, yeah. Right. It's a big thing. The price of gold and the price of precious metal spiked. And what we did during that time is we went to, I'm going to butcher this, a newismatic corporation, uh-huh. <clears throat> which is a company that specializes in in coins Mm. and gold and other precious metals and they will exchange that for 
dollars. Uh, now they're going to take their cut from that. Oh. But we actually physically brought in gold to uh, a news again. I'm, I'm probably butchering this, but a newsmatic corporation, and they say, "Okay, here's the spot price. Here's our fee for exchanging it." They take it, they melt it down, or they do whatever they want with it, or sell it at, at wholesale. But yes, you can physically walk okay. into. I just I kind of had this with a client. Client's like, "Hey, Matt." Uh, it was a father of a client and he was, you know, sort of coming to the end of his life, mid nineties. And he said, Matt, I have a lot of precious metals and gold in my safe. What should I do with it? And I said, the first thing is you want to have it valued, right? It's, it's was purchased in 1920 or you inherited it. It's been sitting in the safe. Let's see what the value of that is. And you can take it to a place and they'll value it for you. So at least we can assign, Hey, here's what it's roughly worth today. But, um, there's, there's specific companies that do this and you can find one locally. True story. When I was eight years old, my uncle, or it was my grandfather who had passed away, had left me a bunch of silver dollar coins. So they were actual like the old Liberty, the old ones, right? So I'm seven. So this is like in the 70s. But I just knew they were dollar coins. They said dollar on them. And I took a bunch of them. I think I took eight. And the ice cream truck was coming. And I went outside and and gathered all my friends in the neighborhood, which I really didn't have any friends. I just was trying to make friends in the neighborhood. And I was buying everybody back then. I think like the ice cream bars were like a quarter each. So I was buying or 50 cents each. So I was buying everybody ice cream. And thank goodness my mom looked out the window and saw me like out there like with like money, like buying ice cream and came out there and realized that I was using these pure silver dollar and my my four foot 10 mom or four foot nine mom literally grabbed the ice cream man by his jacket said give me all of those back and so gave him he probably just retired that next day <laughs> i got you so <laughs> just made much. so much money um the last point that i'll make and i think this is this is really the construct the, the, the concrete advice that i give is um rich you recently had some work done on your home how many quotes do we typically recommend someone go out to get when you're going to have some work done on your house three three right Uh, And the same goes for this situation. So you're sitting at home, you have the safe, your parents have uh, some precious metals or some silver, some um, gold coins. Uh, Do you go to one company to get a quote to see what that's worth? Or do you go to multiple companies? You go to the ice Um, cream truck. No, you you go to multiple companies. Yeah. So multiple companies. And this was my advice for that client was start at one, let's get a couple, and then let's see what the actual value of those precious metals are worth. Um, and what you know, they'll be able to tell you, is it pure? Is it not? Um, you know, this client actually had, um, JFK half dollars. Um, nice. so John, I didn't know if I got a lot of those. It, yeah. If, if your family them. had a handful of those, but, um, mm-hmm. so anyways, a, a real unique, uh, a situation that we went through, but one that I think you can get some practical advice from, uh, you know, step one, get it valued. I just think that's really, cause you know, people don't really know much about that. And most of my exposure to gold coins were the ones that are foil and they have chocolate on the inside. So it's, it's always good oh. to know that kind of stuff. So we're dangerously but, close to calling this episode. You'll never catch me lucky charms. <laughs> <laughs> 11 minutes in and we've talked about gold. So I'm thinking it's a gold themed it. episode. So speaking of gold, which seems like, what was it that I always think about um, Matthew McConaughey and the Wolf of Wall Street? Fugazi. <laughs> It's like all you know. So I always kind of think of that whenever I think of gold coin. What's what? Can you guys just give me honestly? I I think I have a working knowledge, but if somebody said I'll give you like a gold coin, define crypto. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Can you just first of all give me a definition of crypto, and second of all, is it a thing? Is it gonna? Is it here to stay? Is this a fad? 
people don't really, the people that know about crypto know about it. And then there's the rest of us. So Google calls it as a definition. (laughs) Well, when you said define crypto, I started scrambling thinking like, how would we define it? So it's a digital currency where transactions are verified and recorded uh, and they're maintained in a decentralized system. So I think honestly, yeah, I know, copy and paste. Um, I think honestly, you have to, I've watched a bunch of documentaries on this and clients bring this topic of conversation to us often. I don't remember when the exact time frame of the crypto craze was, maybe 2017 to 18 and then again last year like it yeah. it became a really big fad. Yeah. Um and you know we we preach diversification, you know, so making sure that you don't have you know own too many of one thing and I talked about this in my podcast a couple of weeks ago, the solo one that I recorded where I had friends who were purchasing cryptocurrency as an investment on a credit card. <gasps> they were like maxing out their because you could you could go to an exchange and right, Matt. I mean, you remember this time frame? Like you could buy it, on, and so they're purchasing on a credit card. So they're buying it on leverage, and then you know it doesn't. It ends up going up really high, and they think it's going to continue to go up forever, and then it goes down in value, and then they're left paying off. Um, a credit card and they don't have the value of what they thought they were going to have in it. So it's a very volatile, um, very volatile thing. Go ahead, Matt. I think it, I think it's important to even back up for a second and talk about, you you said a very important word there when you were defining what it is, but it's a, a decentralized exchange. What does that mean? Decentralized ledger. All right, Rich, I, I give you money today. No one else knows that, right? You you pass money to me, I pass money to you. No one sees that, right? I send it to you right from my Zelle account. Um, well, actually, now the IRS is going to be looking at that. But that's a whole other uh, <laughs> podcast and a whole other conversation. No one knows that I just gave you money. However, on the decentralized exchange, just like John just mentioned, everyone sees that I just gave you money. And that sort of legitimizes the fact that I just paid you and you either provided a service or now you own a specific uh, amount of currency because it is now decentralized. Everyone can see that. And I think the underlying technology that is present in what that very small statement I just said is incredibly valuable. Hmm. Um, when companies are looking to pass money back and forth there, there are or pass uh, exchange uh, goods for money or, or some sort of value that it's now public record. That part of it makes sense. There is a physical ledger that is out there. That you can look now, you would have to be able to know what my my code is and what Rich's code is. But a lot of this is public. You can see money moving from one account to the other. It's perfectly public record. Okay. And that part of what is going on in cryptocurrency is is amazing. Where well, the, I see, go ahead, go John. Well, I was just going to define that. What you're referring to is called the blockchain, and that's like a lot of um, banks, for example. I mean, there's a lot of people that are interested in that technology and that idea that. To Matt's point, if if you know, add one layer of it. If I write you a check, and Rich, I give you a check. There's my bank verifying that I have that amount in my account, and your bank verifying that they're receiving the amount for that check, and then it's being deposited in your account. So you have two different. You have my bank and your bank confirming that that transaction occurred. In addition to you and me, the technology with blockchain is that there's there's hundreds of thousands of methods to confirm that that transaction occurred instead of just one bank saying, yes, we sent the money. The other bank saying, yes, we received the money, which is like, you think about buying a house, 
and this antiquated system of, I mean, I would, you know, but like think about writing a check for like, you know, when you have to wire the money for your yeah. closing day, you know, it's yeah. like a, a, you have a you know six figure wire because you're putting your deposit down on your home. You sold your home and you're wiring money for your new home. That is a wildly stressful event because you're writing down the routing number and you're hoping that those wire instructions are correct. And if it's off by one digit, did that money just disappear? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you know, so in some regard, that blockchain technology is something that seems to be of interest to a lot of people and may, we may all benefit from someday. And that's the good side to it. Now, there's always going to be a downside to it. And the downside to it, in my humble opinion, is the fact that there is an exchange out there which will allow you to buy and sell these currencies at a very quick pace. Mm. And that then turns it into a very commoditized industry. And that's what you see the rise and fall in value is what someone – believes that a certain cryptocurrency is worth and what someone may buy for it. And this this area of our industry is very unregulated. Stocks are very regulated, right? There are rules about what information they can disseminate to the public. There's insider trading. It's all all managed by the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. I think the area that gets very scary with the crypto side is that there's very little regulation built around it. And there's a lot of fads and trends that are just based upon momentum. A someone tweets something and all of a sudden the value of a particular cryptocurrency skyrockets in value. There was no fundamental change, there was no earnings, there was no hey we have a new widget we're selling tomorrow. It was just based upon word of mouth. And then that's where people and we've seen this a lot in our practice, they get in at the very tippity top of these crypto investments. And then the value just evaporates or erodes and they're left holding the cards. And and that's the problem with us doing something where we don't understand what is happening and us being, you know, a retiree or or really right. anybody who 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 really should be taking a little bit more of a conservative stance on their investment. Is there something not like for the faint with, of heart? That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. Is there something like with Bitcoin where I, I've never I've never I've never asked this question. God, this might be so dumb, but I'm just gonna ask it. Is there a person that, like, there's a president of Mellon Bank, there's a CEO, there's the head of the NASDAQ, there's the CEO of X company being traded on the stock exchange. Is there a person that, I don't know, this is going to be so dumb, that owns Bitcoin or started Bitcoin? No, it's just this. Well, yes and no. Right. It's unknown, I guess, is the bigger is the really? better. What's that mystery guy's name again? The guy that invented it. Yeah. Sato. <laughs> you have to look Can't that up. Wow. That. So for real. So this this seems really very confusing. But it's also the anti-bank, Rich. It's it's meant to not have a leader. It's meant to it's meant to run on its own. The whole point of it is for those that embrace the blockchain, it's that it's all public record and it is decentralized. That's the that's the main thesis of mm. cryptocurrency is that there is no leader. There is no government who can control, um, you know, yeah. like we have right now with our monetary supply, how many dollars right. are in circulation and how many are not by by increasing, decreasing interest rates and by purchasing bonds and selling bonds, treasury bonds. It's it's Our, our currency is heavily manipulated for oftentimes what is supposed to be a very good reason. And this is one of those areas that has the ability to not really be manipulated in terms of the underlying the, I think to what John just said, it's not for the faint of heart. I think that this is something that it, it almost feels the vibe that I got was almost like what it must have been like in the 1800s during the gold rush 
where some guy came out of the mountains and said, there's gold in them, there are hills. And then everybody like ran out there and started digging holes. The because wild, for a wild while, they're just What? The wild, wild west. Yeah, it just feels like that's what this was. It's very confusing. It's It's something that it doesn't have, even when you explained it, I could follow along, but it still leaves me kind of... I guess money in itself is kind of fugazi. I mean, what is money? Money used to be based on gold, right? There was the gold standard. I understand that. That went away in the 70s, I think. So now a dollar isn't worth a dollar of gold. It's just based on some whatever. So I guess it all is kind of confusing. I'll switch to something because, I mean, that's just, it is what it is. I'll Have you guys seen the what is money bit on it's like a forky from Toy Story? What is money? Has anyone seen that? The what no. you just said made me think of that because it was like trying to explain it to basically like my my kids age group. And I actually thought it was pretty good. So check it that is out. very, just, you know, it is very confusing. It It is. I mean, it, it, it seems as real as Frosted Lucky Charms, but at least those you you can eat them. There's actual marshmallows. What's the difference between a 529 and a 401k is there are they they're they're both similar right they're in the same neighborhood right no they're I, not okay I what's might a argue that they're not similar at all okay, so right? okay so what's a 401k um, well let's start with this everybody there's a lot of people at their jobs they have a 401k option so a what's a 401k b who kind of decides as an employee how do you know what to in like what to do with that and see, is there like a percentage that people like you recommend across the board? Is there like a number like, Hey, everybody, if you should put 10% in or so let's go, what is it? Um, how do you manage it? And is there a recommended percentage? Well, just for, for starters, just to differentiate the 529 plan is a vehicle for college savings for your kids or grandkids. The 401k is a retirement vehicle for your retirement, and uh, that is provided to you by your employer. So um, not to confuse the issue and talk about IRAs for a moment, but it, that which is another vehicle for retirement, but 401k is provided by your employer. You can put contributions in that. Oftentimes, depending on the plan, your employer will provide a matching contribution to that and then you can invest in underlying um, underlying investments that allow you to participate in the market. And you can take varying degrees of risk. So like I hear this all the time, this misnomer that <clears throat> 401ks are risky. Mm. 401ks are aggressive. Um, you know, that, that I heard that a lot coming out of 2008 when the markets had that big, had the big decline in the Great Recession of 08 was the 401ks are risky and aggressive. Well, that might be true depending on how your 401k was invested. Most providers, your employer, um, you know, they pick a 401k plan that usually provides you a suite of different options. And if I kind of, I always like to use this on a scale of one to 10, you know, one being the, the most conservative thing, maybe it's like cash or a money market position. And then 10 being really aggressive, you know, being in international uh, markets and things like that. Um, you you have the ability to dial that up or down depending on your level of, of, of comfort with risk. But most importantly, taking that, notwithstanding that part of the conversation, 401k is a vehicle to allow you to put money in and get a tax deferred or 
depending on the type of it. Go ahead, Matt. You want to? Yeah, and I think it's more of the why. Um, And that was a great definition, by the way, John. That's that was perfect. It's exactly what it is. Is is our time available? I guess you know. Then part two of the question is why? Why would I even want to do this? And I think John hit on two points. Is one there's sometimes a tax advantage for doing that. Um, If you uh, participate in your traditional four hundred one k, every dollar that you put in, you receive a tax deduction for not a tax credit a tax deduction so again if you made fifty thousand dollars that year in in income and you put five thousand dollars inside of your company's 401k you are not taxed on the fifty thousand you are taxed on the forty five thousand so there is a a incentive for doing so there is also a roth 401k and that has a little bit of a different tax uh, element to it, and we'll talk about that at a separate time because we're kind of just talking about traditional. But so you got a you got a you got a five thousand dollars tax deduction, and if your company does match your contributions, then you also received a company match on top of the five thousand you put inside of that. And so you could have call it sixty five hundred dollars in there um, that you basically got fifteen. If if the match was three percent of your salary, three percent of fifty thousand dollars is is fifteen hundred dollars. Um, you really just got a free $1,500 from your company. Now, that money must be held inside of that 401k. Um, there might be some vesting involved and some other bells and whistles, but uh, you just got incentivized to save for retirement through your company. And then back to John's point is now you have a choice of what you would like to do with that money. Uh, you can keep it sitting in a money market account, earning whatever the current money market account rate is. Or you could put it in the most aggressive stock in the world and have it all go that direction. I think where our job comes in is coaching our clients and where they lie in between those two very uh, large extremes, whether they're going to be super risky with it or they're going to be super conservative. And that has to do with a lot of different things, mostly is how far they are from retirement, what their propensity for risk is, and so forth and so on. But if you have a 401k at your company and you are eligible and you have enough savings in your savings and you have a budget so you know how much you can be uh, contributing to it, then in most scenarios, not all, but most, we would definitely encourage uh, a client to participate there. If nothing else, then just for the free company match, if that is if that is associated with your company's 401k. So um, a lot of great benefits for doing so. Um, and our job is to evaluate that and, and walk clients along that path. And so um, the Roth IRA, as I understand, invented by um, David Lee Roth of Van Halen, exactly. that's a different, that's a whole different conversation. So, but is there a maximum or a minimum that you're allowed to put it for? Can you just like put in as much money as you want? Is it age-based? How does that work? Yeah, there's, there's maximums and IRAs and 401ks are different. So like the maximum for a 401k this year, I believe is 20,500. And then there's a catch up. There's an additional amount you can do if you're over the age of 50. Um, so they do, they do put limits on you. In like five you years, put, Rich, you'd be able to do a, a catch up in yours. Yeah, exactly. Not today, but in like five years when you're 50, then you can, oh, then you so can do a company nice. match. On, I know that I know that I'm at the age where I get to put in all the extra. I, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm putting, cause I'm 56. So I get to, I just, yeah. I have it quick. There you go, baby. So, and then, so the 529, that's that. I, I think I, you know what I think I messed up? It was the 401k. And then there's, what's the one if you work for the government or a public? Um, 403b. That's what I was thinking. Cause yeah. I used to work for a county, a county organization. I was, I worked at a county hospital and I had a 403b, which was basically just the public sector version of a 401k. 
It's very similar. Um, you'll see maybe nonprofits and churches have those types of plans as well. Okay. Um, cool. But they're similar in nature in terms of how they're structured for potential employer match and also tax savings to, to Matt's point. I think, yeah, go ahead. No, before I get to the 529, there's something that might be in the same realm as gold because I think it's probably a maybe a gold seems like at least there's you didn't seem to like completely be like disgusted by it. But as new as crypto is, are there still pensions? Do people still get pensions or is that kind of a thing of the past? That was that was sort of the point that I was I forgot to mention when I was talking about the why behind the 401k is, you know, pensions have really gone away, right? Um, they're very expensive to administer. Our lives, thankful to technology, we're living longer. Right. Um, and so a pension is by definition, cannot you cannot outlive your money uh, with a pension. And so mm. because of that, companies did move away from the pension uh, retirement plan. Oh, also, people are not staying at jobs like 30 years or 40 right. years like they did back in the day. Right. They switch a lot. So the pension model is very, very old and is not typically used these days, which is really why the 401k came along. It was another way to save for retirement. It was a it was a company-sponsored retirement plan instead of and, – and they really use two two terms for it. There's defined benefit or defined contribution. And a 401k is a defined contribution plan. A, a pension, uh, pension is a defined benefit plan. And so, again, those are very, very old. I think we still see some, some teachers that might have them here in the state of Florida – uh, they're they're still around, and some uh, you know, a few very few private industry has it, but some of the public industry does does have understood, and, and uh, they're just really not used because they're very very expensive to yeah. to administer. It's hard to figure out how long people are going to live for, so they can't run it out. It has to be funded in such a way. So um, that is really the the reason why four hundred one ks came along understood. was because pensions understood. are being phased out. Understood. And the 529s you already explained, that's how you're saving money for college. So that has to be used. If you put, let's say over the course of a kid's life, you put a hundred thousand dollars in a 529, which would be great. Right. And then the kid decides when they graduate high school, they're going in the military or they're going into a trade. They want to go into HVAC or become a diesel mechanic, or they just don't want to go to college. Does do they still get that money? Does that money go away? Does it get taxed? Does it? What happens to that money? Well, I want to clarify something in regards to the 529 plan and the 401k plan. These are both just examples of vehicles to put money into. Okay. The investments that you actually, you know, whether you participate in the market or you invest in bonds or whatever, that is something that you still have discretion and control over. We're talking about the actual vehicle that money goes into. And Understood. by the way, you know, we get questions a lot of times from clients that say like, hey, you know, our, our job is to try to optimize their money and where their money's going into, you know, and so what are some of the top vehicles? And these are examples of them. Not everyone's situation is the same. Some people don't right. have 401k available to them. So these are just ideas and examples for folks listening as to maybe you know some of the top vehicles that would make sense. So at the 529 plan, to your point, a lot of times what we see people do is once they have kids, they start contributing to it on a monthly basis. Maybe they have family that makes contributions to it as well. Like they lump some, you know, $1,000 as a gift for their child's baptism or a first communion. I got to get That's, in that family. Yeah, right. And, and, but to your point, you know, you have $100,000 that maybe it, maybe it grows to $100,000 over time. Okay. Your child is a child prodigy, a phenomenon, gets a scholarship, 
and doesn't need to use all of those dollars, well, then what? Uh, there's been legislation over the last few years that have kind of opened up the conversation about then what? Because conventionally mm. it was, if you didn't use the money by 30, you were penalized. So you had to pay a tax penalty on the gain and you had to pay taxable income on the gain as well. Wow. That's still the case if there's unused money, but there's there's routes or avenues to 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 use it. Meaning, you know, you could you could if you have multiple kids, you could have that money transitioned within your family to somebody else that's going for for a higher education. Um, they've even defined that more loosely over the years. So it wasn't just, you know, a public or private institution, but now it can also be maybe applied for like a vocational school or a trade school. And, uh, and most recently, there's an opportunity, I'm not going to explain the mechanisms of it because it's kind of complicated, but most recently, there's an avenue where you can take some of those dollars and convert them to a Roth IRA in the name of that child, uh, at, you know, at, at which point if you decide, hey, there's money here and it's going to go left on use, we're going to pay a penalty for it. And I really think that is, it is a cool planning technique. Um, while most people do extinguish all of the money inside of the 529 plan. I mean, college is not cheap. Also, they do allow for K through 12 K through 12 now to be used for a 529 plan. The power of the 529 plan, Rich, is not to be putting money in today and take it out tomorrow. It really is longevity, right? So you want to start that 529 plan, not when a child is at in 12th grade getting ready to go to college. <laughs> you want to do it as early as possible because there are, there's not a ton of tax benefits on the front end of putting money into a 529 plan. The tax benefit is really not paying taxes on the long-term growth. Now, notice the word I said there, long-term growth. Yeah. Long-term is not uh, a senior or a junior getting ready to use it uh, for their freshman year of college. That's not defined as long-term growth, although there still might be a reason for doing so. Um, and John really did hit on a, on a good point. Um, as of, I think, last year, legislation came through, which allows you to, to take some of that money if it is unused and, and turn it to a Roth. And we didn't really spend a lot of time talking about a Roth IRA, but a Roth IRA is a very powerful retirement vehicle that can be used for someone who is young and who has a long time to go before retirement is going to take place. Um, and it's even so critical that one might even pay for college out of their own pocket and allow that 529 plan to do this conversion to a Roth and set that child up at the beginning of their life, being of their careers with a little bit of a nest egg and, and money that they maybe won't touch um, and, and that can grow long term. A lot of rules surrounding that, uh, the way that that conversion happens. But one of the biggest rules, and we're not going to go into all of them, but the account must be open for 15 years before this conversion to a Roth can take place. Okay. Again, going back to what I said a moment ago is you want to start these, even if you start one really, really young, just start a 529 plan, put a few bucks inside of them. They're generally low. Uh, there's low uh, uh, beginning, uh, you know, uh, initial contributions, uh, but starting the clock on that 15 years. And then there's another window that only a certain amount can go in those last few years so that you can't just max fund it and then flip it over to a Roth. Uh, so there's some rules around it. We, we work with our clients one-on-one -on -one there, but it was a really valuable piece of legislation that came out very recently. And it sort of changed the way I've looked at using Roths. I know personally for my kids um, and for some of our clients who are maybe able to assume some of those college expenses out of their own pocket and let those Roths continue to grow and right. then flip it around. So and, I think it's a I, pretty cool planning opportunity John touched on. And I think the cool thing is for folks like you that do what you do, you know, everybody's different. 
you know, right? I come to you as a client with my situation, the age of my kids, my age, how much money I make, how much money I've saved. It's not a, a cookie cutter approach where you're like, everybody, at, if they have a 401k at work, they do this and everybody does a four, 529. Like for everybody, it's going to be a different thing, like you said. And it, and I, I think that's that's kind of my takeaway is, you know, that's the whole purpose that people like you exist because you sit down with somebody holistically and look at their whole life and say, this is what makes sense for you. But then the next person that comes in the next meeting, you might have a whole list of other, another way. If they're in tons of debt, you know, you're not going to be worried about their 529. And then this person comes in and they've got tons of money and they're, they're completely set up. You're looking at a whole other situation. Um, It's so similar to the medical industry. It really is. I know it's one that it, it really, really I go to my doctor. I hope that there's no ulterior motives and that I'm, you know, that he's giving me the best advice and that there's a very, you know, that it's very objective and that there's, there's the, there's a rationale for making sure that his, uh, my interests are, are being put first. So I think the, what we do is very similar to the profession that you're in. I think some of the difference is that we get a little bit more one-on-one where in the medical profession, as I'm sure you've seen, is that a lot of it ends up becoming volume, right? These physicians have got to see so many patients and yeah. uh, you know, a lot of movement happens. We, we, I hope sometimes that it slows down a little bit and I get this one-on-one time with my physician to talk about you know, where I'm at from a health standpoint, just like clients come to us from a financial health standpoint of, of where they stand. It's super similar because even when I went to my vascular surgeon a couple of weeks ago, I'm 56 and with my diagnosis, he was sharing with me that he just saw a patient that was my exact age with the exact same diagnosis who is completely debilitated is is wheelchair bound but he shared with me this person is you know morbidly obese is smoking is not compliant with their diet and their medications and so it's very similar yeah yeah so it's very similar to what you just shared that you can have people could be the same age, make the same amount of money, let's say hypothetically, have the same amount of kids, but one has like maxed out their credit cards and has gotten the other person. So I think that's, there's one last question I want to ask you and it maybe connects a little to the pension thing, but this might also just be, and I hope I'm not tiptoeing into areas of that you can't answer, but it's more, it's not a crystal ball thing, but it's something that I hear a lot from people and I see it on YouTube and I never know if it's real or not. So if I can just ask financial experts and this might quench the thoughts of some people, a lot of times people do the scare tactics about social security and they say, it's not going to exist. Like Rich, you're 56. It's going to be gone. It'll, it's going to be zeroed out. You know, the government's spending so much money. A, is that a possibility? Can Are you allowed to tiptoe into that area? And B, do you personally believe that it is going to or not going to exist in the next 20, 30 years? There's a lot of pending legislation that even with just a handful of minor tweaks, a combination of them, even just one of these tweaks, that it would extend Social Security for many, many years. And what I will say to to your to your question is right now, if you think about what Social Security is, it's it's, you know, there was a time where we were paying this additional tax, funding into Social Security, and there was a bucket of money that existed for folks that were then retiring and drawing on Social Security. Well, longevity is different than it was 40 yeah. and 50 years ago. Yeah, And so people are living a lot longer. And I don't remember exactly when the, you know, this is a bit of a, the historical background of it, but at some point it became 
a combination of pulling from that bucket of money and a pay-as-you-go system. So Rich, you, myself, Matt, you know, we all, we work, we, we make an income and part of our income, there's a portion called FICA tax that pays towards that. So that's part of that social security tax. We're paying into that system. And so it's a bit, it's part of its pay as you go, part of it's, you know, pulling from that trust fund. I don't remember when the projected run out date of that, of that fund is, or that bucket of money is, but you know, eventually I guess the course that we're on is we'll eventually go pay as you go system. And so I think for the folks that are probably close to retirement or in it right now, likely won't see, I mean, this is like prognosticating, but they likely won't see a, a big change or a ripple effect to them in their benefit. It's really the conversation of legislation today would impact people like like my benefit in, in decades to come. You know whose fault it is? It's the boomers, right? World War II <laughs> ended. Everyone wow. came home. We had, all, you know, we got the whole, and I, we have so many boomers as clients. We generally love the boomers, but I mean, in all actuality, uh, when you have more people, um, coming well, really, into a you system would blame that you would be blaming the greatest generation who had the boomers which is, i know but we could still I wouldn't, blame I wouldn't. they're not here i mean most of them are okay. are the, the generations down. okay i don't know if i could say that. okay so uh yeah just to clarify some of john's comments spot on with it i, I agree with all of it um rich and i'm just going to throw a number out um you pay fica tax or you pay social security tax not you a person does on the first hundred and fifty thousand or so dollars of income mm-hmm. um so we talked about what changes could take place, right? It is projected to run out. There's more people receiving benefits than are going into the system. That's a problem. So what are some things that could change down the road legislatively? First is they could say, well, you're not going to pay tax on the first 150000 of income. You're going to pay FICA tax on the first $200,000 of income. Uh-huh. So right there's one small change that could be done. Now, it's not going to be very popular. No one likes having taxes raised. But that's one thing that could change. And that number does go up each year a little bit. Usually it's assigned to inflation or CPI or something like that. The IRS comes out or, or Social Security Administration comes out and says FICA tax is going to be on the, the X number, first X number of dollars. So again, someone who makes a million dollars is only paying FICA tax, the, the Social Security and Medicare, it's actually combined, on that first 150. So there could be a, you know, there, and there already is a Medicare one that was, was sent out because honestly, if you had asked me what I was more concerned about social security running out or Medicare running out, my answer is I could find a way to make money in retirement. I can't get health insurance in retirement. That's a really difficult thing to do. So, so, so the Medicare tax is also assigned to that. And John happens to be our in-house Medicare expert. So I know he can chime in on that subject, but those two things are combined to come up with your FICA tax. Now, again, they projected that Medicare was going to run out at a point. So what did they do? For those who have high income, they assign an additional tax. I think it's 3.2%, something like that, uh, additional tax on, on income to, to shore up the Medicare fund. Probably something like that would happen. The other thing is when can you collect Social Security, Rich? Now, again, you're probably at least 20 to 30 years away, but... When can you collect Social Security? And, and currently, right now, it's John. Sorry, right around sixty-two for early, and sixty-six and six months for full retirement age. I get those numbers right? Roughly, it's anywhere from yeah that to yeah. sixty-seven. Well, what happens when John and I go to retire, and they say, "Hey, the earliest you can collect is not sixty-two or sixty-six and six months. It is at seventy, right?" So they they might increase the age that we could start collecting our benefits. And so these are two probable changes. I mean, again, this is up to our our Congress people um, 
to to change. But those are probably two changes that we would see coming down the road is is an, an increase on the uh, the tax that we use to fund and shore up both Medicare and Social Security, and then also a a stretching out or a pushing out of when the early stage it can be used is. Um, and so those are those are two things that come to mind. To answer your question more directly, I don't think you can rely on it comfortably for retirement. And so what I mean by that is right now, the the estimates are Social Security covers about 40% of your expenses in retirement today. So it's a component of it, but you still needed to have saved. Maybe if you're retired today, you have a pension, you have 401k, you have assets elsewhere yeah. uh, or income streams elsewhere that are that are covering the other 60%. By the time I retire, I I don't I am not under any type of illusion that and maybe I'm wrong, but like I'm not gonna plan as if it's gonna continue to cover forty percent. It might only cover twenty percent of living expenses. I got you. So that, it's an you know, adjunct. So you gotta do it. Yeah, it's an adjunct. You gotta you gotta do your planning. You can't rely on just that. I think I think this stuff, you know, while for financial experts, this stuff is very, very basic. But when you just talk to the average person, there's a lot of fear mongering. The media just puts out stuff that sounds interesting. A lot of people really don't. I mean, honestly, as surprised as I am sometimes with how little people know about their health, I'm sure sometimes you guys are so surprised that you know someone doesn't understand you know some basics of money. But I think they're they're very similar and and and. And not to be dramatic, but in some ways, our lives depend on it. You know, you need that money to feed yourself, to have shelter, to have your basic needs met. Um, and then Matt brought up, you know, things like Medicare. And I think about when my mom passed away a couple of years ago, and you know, just being able to have those benefits were were life saving. And even though she passed away, they were also, you know, I was able to get her hospice care and you know different things. So this has been a great conversation. I, you know. I appreciate that people that that would be interested in this. It's meant to be like a, a, a financial questions one hundred and one, you know, for the 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 true the true like experts that want to know other stuff. There's you know a whole other level. But I, I appreciate you guys just letting me pick your brain about some of these things. And thank you for the people that submitted their questions about five twenty nines and four hundred one ks and social security and pensions and all that kind of stuff. I I feel like I learned a lot. Um, I do know that I remember seeing a long time ago, there was a crypto that looked like your dog, John. I saw mm. it. I remember seeing it going, yes. no, I sent that to you. I go, what's this? It looks it's like your like dog. Chipper. It looked just like Chipper. Well, listen, we're very grateful for everybody. We really try to bring you kind of a variety of things on this podcast, whether we're talking about physical health or whether they're talking about emotional health or whether we're talking about motivation and success. Um, but you know, we've got some money experts on here. So figured we'd talk about that. Thank you, Matt, for your multiple times making me sound 30 years younger than I am. Appreciate you for that. Um, and as far as the rest of it, the rest of it goes, um, we're grateful for everybody for your downloads, for your listens. Please share and like this podcast with everybody that you know, because we love doing it. We love you and we're grateful for you. Until the next episode, thanks for joining us on Above Board with Candor Path. And thanks for letting us talk about money, 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 money. Because you know what? It's a good thing. Y'all take care. Be good.